Welcome to the Patterpod. I'm Sean. This week, me, Luke, you and Jamie discuss the generation-defining MTV reality show, Jackass. We discuss the cultural changes of the new millennium, the all-too-familiar story of young people being catapulted into fame, more literally in this case, and obviously our favourite stunts. So we hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass. Johnny Knoxville, that intro, that intro got me every time. And when that intro became like semi-recognizable, I so they just had like, they had other people doing it. They'd have like, uh, there was like an old man, like, I'm Johnny Knoxville, I'm the jackass. As soon as you know the cast of characters, you're like, that's not Johnny Knoxville. What's going on here? It went perfectly no, was... with that song. So I didn't know the song was uh, by the Minutemen called Corona. And the first lines that yeah, it does go well. It's like uh, got some rickety hillbilly vibes. Yeah. That's because it was kind of framed almost like a conventional sitcom in a way, because you had a kind of collection of quite like of, of individual big personalities. You know, Johnny Knoxville was like the ringleader, and you had Steve O as the kind of the, the wild man. And you had Bam Margera as the kind of cool, uh, the cool kind of skateboarding team. And there was the big personalities all holding this big. Uh, Gnarly mixing bowl. Yeah, that's good. You think they kind of like fit like character character archetypes then? Yeah. So like, yeah, uh, Margera was like the cool kid who everyone's like jealous of. Chris yeah, Pontius was like the ladies' man. <laughs> that, you think? Slightly kind of grotesque pervert. Danger was it? Danger air and everyone just kind of bullied. Yeah, like, just they're all like, yeah, they're all kind of caricatures. Yeah. I mean, in their, like, at that age for us then, I guess it was like, because uh, you had your own, little, like, we had our own, like, cruise. At high school and that, there was, like, distinct cruise. So maybe if Jackass just kind of, it mimicked that quite well of having, like, a crew and a cast of characters, like, each person quite unique in their own way. Yeah, I quite liked when Jackass, they didn't do any, like, dangerous stunts it was just like mr bean style comedy yeah, like, <laughs> like the goes a wee man yeah the slapstick stuff man that was funny i like that <laughs> well i think the first i don't know if it's the first stunt that was ever televised that they did but the first one i remember watching is when johnny knoxville goes to jump over the river oh yeah in the roller skates yeah yeah and they have it's not a river yeah I think they put, they say he's going to jump over this river and then they take him to the narrowest part yeah. <laughs> possible. Yeah. I, I think he breaks his ankle. I think that's Sh- how he ends. shatters his uh, ankle on, on that was like the first thing that they shot. He shatters his ankle and he gets uh. over to the other side and he screams the rest of the first series and crutches. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it only ran for like it was three seasons, but like it mm. seemed to like in my memory, it was around forever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of personified, yeah, kind of captured that kind of, the kind of high water mark of that kind of skater culture. Aye, so that like that, that culture, that skating, that skating culture, and that kind of like it was like, for us at that age, like we were all the perfect age for it. It was that kind of like teenage, like fuck you to everybody. These these guys are doing like what we're not allowed to do, and like, but like skating culture blew up in that time, like 
every like every like people used to get bullied for wearing skate shoes. Like skate shoes became cool. <laughs> I mean, like part of the appeal, I think, well, for me anyway, was that like you looked at these stuff and you were like, we could do stuff like that. Like yeah. we were out like, skating at the weekends. Like I gotta remember, like we grown up on like on the high street. I love that thing of being able to like eat my dinner, like look out the window and see folk out skating and being like, well, that's it. That's like my night done. I can like, like the the high street was like just like a playground and you're able to go out and skate and just like, you could do any daft stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the slightly older guys, the older skaters would like come by with a massive bit of wood. And you're like, what the fuck did you get that from? And they're like, that was a ramp. That was just a ramp for the next day. And you're like, well, amazing. Until the police like took it away. Honestly, that was like, yeah, I, I don't think like a lot of the, uh, certainly early on, some of the stunts were like, uh, I mean, pretty like achievable. That's yeah, the way to put it. <laughs> yeah, like, and I mean, they were just filming this stuff on you know relatively cheap cameras as well. The, the whole yeah. skating was like really scuzzy, uh, but very accessible. Well, the idea yeah. of it all came. It was all about like a skating. I think that is it, Jeff. I can't remember the guy's name, Jeff Tremaine or something. Tremaine, like, yeah. He was like a part of like a skating magazine, and the idea mm-hmm. was that they would film some stunts, but ended up they just like took it too far, and then MTV were like, "This isn't this isn't skating. <laughs> you just took a shit in the toilet." <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I think the first one was just like it was a vertical half pipe that um, Johnny Knoxville tried to like drop into, but obviously he couldn't skate. <laughs> like, yeah, it was strange that Johnny Knoxville like was it. I mean, Johnny Knoxville out of them all was the guy with no discernible talent. <laughs> like he wasn't <laughs> a skater. He, he was just like, like a cool guy. He was just, <laughs> he was just a guy with an incredible like tolerance, like, incredible threshold for pain. Like that's that was his ability. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Because some of them, and they're like obviously Bam, but even Steve-O, some of the circus tricks he would do, or even his yeah. own skating, was very impressive. Yeah, Steve-O, Steve-O was like one of those guys. So I imagine he's probably good at pool. Like I imagine yeah. he's probably <laughs> like you know what I mean. He's just one of those guys who can like turn his hand to any like a pretty useless like ability. You know what I mean? Yeah, did he not go? Did he not go to like clown school or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a discipline to Steve-O that might not be apparent in the other jackass members. You know, like, I feel like he really commits to like learning how to juggle. As Luke said, you can just like... Yeah, yeah, of course he... Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, like, yeah, of course he has to like practice and learn, but like, he does have that, the kind of the vibe of one of those guys who can just turn his hand to absolutely everything. Yeah, obviously he did actually like practice to do those backflips. That's probably why he managed to, you know, get so far into the drugs and the pain, go right to the brink and actually managed to, you know, pull himself back. Yeah, he's literally literally can do anything. Yeah, there's like stories and avenues everywhere with Steve's life. Like even his tattoos. Like one of the things I watched, like he had the tattoo on his chest, just like whipping the piss with a bam and bam's like branding. You seen that? It's like the heartogram. The the heartogram, and it's like uh, yeah, and it's really seen bam, and he says me. (laughs) That that was amazing, (laughs) man. That's funny as fuck. That is genuinely hilarious. I think that they they potentially created like this like content creating like universe that we're in now of this like very fast like 10 second clip 20 second clip of just like something funny then it's like move on yeah um, and the, the idea that well, well, well actually it. monty python did but like in terms of <laughs> <laughs> in terms of um like modern day like filming each other just like fucking around like it's probably where like, yeah. the idea of vine and all that kind of stuff came from like tiktok these like the best of the videos. yeah 
It'd be um, interesting to know their sort of their if they had any doubts about it to begin with. I imagine it people at MTV maybe did, but even amongst themselves, they're thinking, "Well, people actually watch this." I don't think I don't, are those type of are those are the type of guys that live their life without a second thought. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, and I guess they were all young guys when it took off, so it's like, and they're all skaters. Gonna... They were all guys who yeah. like they, you know if you're if you're going out there to be a pro skater, you're probably. You know yourself, it's you know you're living. You're, it's this like freewheeling lifestyle. You just need to go whatever's coming at you, yeah. like touring around, going to competitions, and try to like get a, get a contract. You know, <laughs> the, yeah. Tony, the Tony Hawk Underground Dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the two thousand, the early two thousand for me, like I remember it being just so different to what it is now. This kind of like. Everyone was like a fuck you. Everyone was so aggressive back then. I think it like, oh especially like this new metal like, like came out. It was like it was so. Everyone was like like Slipknot and System of a Down and like this kind of like new kind of music that was so aggressive. <laughs> I do seem to remember like just just from listening to what other people were hearing, and there seems to be this strange thing where. All of it's, it was the Venga boys, and then there was like Wheatus that was a little bit of a bridge, and then all of a sudden it was like Limp Biscuit and yeah, these new, <laughs> new metal bands. It's been like a strange turnaround. Yeah, why, why were the early 2000s like that? Maybe like new millennium folk thinking type of something different. It's got to, it surely it has to get better. I've, I've read that the like the new metal phenomenon was like a kind of pushback against the kind of, kind of like. I don't know, the kind of self-indulgence of like grunge. The kind of like uh, a kind of snooty hipster grunge fan was replaced by mm. this kind of like frat boy, the frat boy of like Fred Durst. You know, he just like comes in like with a keg like a keg of beer. Yeah. Demands yeah. that you fucking you you do a handstand and demands you do a handstand, yeah. Yeah, like I drink alcohol aggressively. It was always it was a like, massive like, big thing. Yeah, it was, it was like everything was like turned up to the max, and like even in, in rap, I think at that point in rap and hip hop, you had like the kind of the bling genre was like massive. It's kind of like like a kind of hyper masculine like genre of rap as well around the turn like the turn of the millennium. I don't know yeah. why that is. Like, I, I don't know why. Um, I couldn't find any sort of explanation. Again, like everything. Like it's when I remember that a uh, parental advisory warning came out. Like everything had that on it back then. Oh yeah, it was, it was all it was all about you know you shouldn't you shouldn't be allowed to watch this, but everyone was watching it or listening to it. Or um, like, I go back to like the wrestling, like the attitude era was was just amazing. And like for that for that time, it wouldn't work now. Like they always say, like when wrestling will ever come back to that, it's like nah, it wouldn't work. Like for some reason, it felt right. It being that so violent and aggressive mm. and over the top with storylines and it just yeah. it just worked. Everything to kind of excess. Um, yeah. yeah, everyone was so um, over the top. And then again, that was probably the high water mark again. Like skate culture was probably like late nineties, early nineties. But that's yeah. like uh, you did like I feel like obviously skateboarding's skateboarding's still popular, but I don't think it's to the, to the same extent. I don't know if I mean I don't know if it is so linked to like with gaming. Obviously, like the, the PS2 came out. And that that was like like for all like there was game before it like that was my memory of like real like g like games if that makes sense yeah. like new this new kind of gaming era of like sh like shooting games and it was mm -hmm. so like more adult it seems so real yeah everyone seemed like seemed so real and like yeah because you had like you had games like Manhunter you know turning everything up yeah like, G like G huge G controversy surrounding that. GTA mm -hmm. came out in the early two thousands as well I think Vice ah. City was two thousand. 
three or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, th- these kind of like more violent, like, games. Um, yeah, definitely. The people called the stuff like gratuitous violence. Like, it's hard to argue that Grand Theft Auto wasn't just gratuitous violence. <laughs> like, so good though. It's like you shoot, you shoot that guy in his in the head, and his whole head pops off, and then blood. It's like a fountain. <laughs> you just keep kicking him. You can just keep kicking him. Yeah. <laughs> and you steal his car. Yeah, it's interesting. I've never really kind of put Jackass in that category, but like it fits. It does fit in perfectly. Like, What's that? Uh, that it, yeah, you never think about intellectualizing Fred Durst in a Jackass. Like I suppose you got to work out where it fits into kind of you know. Yeah, and why? Like I don't think there's, and again, I don't think there's any reason for it. Was it just everyone was like, was everyone so bogged down with this like millennium scare that there was no one like fighting? Like, I can't remember people being against it back then. So everyone was on board with this kind of like new age violence aggression. Oh, there was definitely like moral panics. Like, there always is like some kind of moral panic. And looking back, I know they were right because look at the state <laughs> we're in. Because it was like, you know, there's two or three really awful school shootings. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Right? Yeah, when was Colin? They were blaming uh, Marlon Manson, etc. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like my Manson was like the stars like the same time. It was like yeah, I mean yeah, devil worship, like, like nine eleven happened in two thousand one. Like that kind of sets like a different like political, like geopolitical uh scene yeah, <laughs> for like yeah. ever since. You know, we're still kind of living in that post nine eleven world. I don't know how if, if that like has there anything comparable today. Like I always look back at that. I don't think I'm seeing it just through like a like those rose tinted glasses because it was like your childhood. But I don't think there's like music out there at the moment that is as like brutally offensive as Marlon Manson. No, never. No, no. Unless like if there is, it's nothing mainstream. Or this was this was mainstream back then. Like, yeah, no, like like Marlon Manson. Well, I guess maybe MTV maybe played music back then, and now it's mm. just reality. TV. We got the tail end of MTV playing music, and now it's just like reality TV. Yeah, well, that was like that was a part of it. That like MTV era was changing. Like in the nineties, that was when they they played all like they, they played music, yeah. and then they started this kind of reality journey. It would probably started like it was like shows like Jackass and. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like fucking Ozzy Osbourne, fucking celeb- <laughs> Did they have like? A, yeah, I don't know if like the the, the MTV have celebrity deathmatch. Nah, maybe that wasn't MTV. Maybe yeah, it was. It was MTV. Yeah, no, yeah, of celebrity deathmatch. Yeah, like let's we had music videos. Now we're gonna have like plasticine figures killing each other. Yeah, and now that's and, and, and that's like real. That's what real reality shows are now. Plastic people trying to kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. MTV two came out in like two thousand and one, which is a sort of an idea to put this alternative music out there mm. and just became the mainstream. Mm. And then you had things like Kerrang! pop up that were just totally devoted to that. Yeah, true. Don't knock Kerrang! <laughs> yeah, Kerrang. Kerrang was my life! Skuz! <laughs> Kerrang! was like, uh, Kerrang! was like the first wave, but then you discovered on like, that Kerrang! was like channel 300 and something, but then up in cha- up in the 600s, then you got Scuds. Doesn't like a, the thinking man's uh, Kerrang! Like Scuds was a thinking man's Kerrang! BBC Radio 6 version of like Kerrang! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got the avant garde metal on Scuds, remember that? Yeah, you got Mortis or whatever his name was. <laughs> right, yeah. so we'll go I'll be dusting off my old uh, Linkin Park CDs after this. Dude, Lincoln Park has had a little massive resurgence, though. That fucking like, hybrid, hybrid theory came out in 2000. Same, like, it, came, it came out like the same month. I think it was the same month that uh, Jackass started. That's no coincidence. That's that no coincidence. That all fed into like uh, our culture back then. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
Um, but, but like I think Lincoln Park have been getting like more uh, like praise now than I've ever like seen. I, I never listened to Lincoln Park. Um, I loved Hybrid Theory. Even you know, I actually like, like they did like a Hybrid Theory uh, like remastered or something. Oh, reanimation. Reanimation, where it was like all the kind of remix stuff. Yeah. Uh, is this where the is this where the mashups came from? Because I know Lincoln yeah. Park from their work with like Jay Z stuff. The, the mashups so, with Jay Z. Yeah. So good. good. Yeah, one of the main aspects of that new metal genre is the kind of marriage between what's like hip hop and heavy metal. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of them had like they they would have members in the band who just kind of bided their time until there was a little middle eight that they would come in and rap over, and then it was like, especially, yeah, like just like having a like a DJ, like an in band DJ, yeah. I was a whole day Kid Rock against Limp Biscuit. I always think they were the sort of creation of Kid Rock. I hate that. I mean, Limp Biscuit, um. Chocolate covered starfishes. Yeah, I loved that album. That was really good. Like, yeah, the chocolate starfish like, and the kid, hot dog flavored water. Hot dog flavored water. Yeah, yeah, Kid Rock though was absolute dog shit. Do you remember um, Papa Roach? I seen yeah. Papa. I seen Papa Roach live. Did you go see him live? I remember oh. that that song, um, Last Resort. Someone got me that as a birthday present, the single. It was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I only went that. that, that there was another song. There was one more song on that album. I remember. Yeah, there was only two songs, and uh, so I went with my cousin. I was, I was, I think I was like thirteen, maybe, and uh, it was fucking mental. <laughs> it was an SEC. I was not prepared for a mosh pit, and um, a band called Murder Dolls were on before them. Right. Yeah, they were like heavy, really heavy, and uh, I, the place was fucking crazy. Um, some laugh though. <laughs> well, like, would... like you said, Jimmy, about it, it being a contrast to that sort of grunge and and the sort of sedated heroin opiates of grunge. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, you've got that kind of bursting out. Yeah, totally. So like the... you say about jackass, look like not take it. They're the sort of people that don't stop to think. Really, that's that maybe a good characterization of the new metal movement when compared to sort of Kurt Cobain and and their yeah, something's quite like slow and introspective. But then you've got yeah. these guys who are just like fuck it, like let's fucking <laughs> yeah. let's do it. Yeah. In the opposite approach. Fuck it. I think that yeah, I think that sums up the whole the whole era. Like, fuck it. <laughs> let's just yeah. do it. Just fuck it. Let's you know, do it. looking back at Jackass, you realise that Danger Aaron might have been the most sensible of all of them. Because <laughs> he, he wore a helmet. <laughs> he wore a helmet. <laughs> Danger Aaron. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, they've got like a list. When they were brainstorming ideas, they come like a list of, of like stunts. And then they're like, well, Steve could do this. Well, fucking Wee Man can do that. Fucking uh, Bam or Ryan Dunn, whoever can do this. The worst stunt would always just go straight to Aaron. Oh, he got the dregs, yeah. He got the dregs, man. So like his his like bits were always awful. Best bits were folk just like knocking his teeth out. Like, that was just like. <laughs> but then looking looking back, you're like, fuck me, man. Yeah, that guy. That's uh, that that um that stunt. It was a jackass three that got his uh, his tooth ripped out with the Lamborghini. Yeah. That, like, oh. that fractured his jaw, like almost right up to his eye socket. Jesus. They got a hairline oh. fracture right up to his eye socket. I could have fucking pulled his face right off. I mean, that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. 
No, but again, like, like, yeah, there's like cast of characters though. Like in any group, there's always one guy who's like, you want us to join in? No one really likes him, and he's always desperately unlucky. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) Um, did did any of you watch like? So obviously, Jackass was only around a couple of like again. They were just repeat after repeat because I must have been too young when it came out in the two thousands. But did any of you watch like? Did you watch Wild Boys? I fucking loved. I oh, loved Wild, Wild Boys. Boys. I thought Wild Boys was so good. Yeah. Wild Boys, because it was just the two of them with like a guest of like, I, they had Matt Hoffman on it a lot, like the BMX guy. You're like, yeah. man, that was fucking cool as fuck. It was like, it was like cut down because it was just the two of them. Streamlined show, basic premise. They're traveling the world to do dumb shit. Like that was a it. Lot it was just, animals as well, obviously. A lot of shit about animals. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. the other end of the uh, spec- well, the other side of the coin to like David Attenborough documentaries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had that guy on it, Manny, who was like Manny. Oh, Manny! he was like the, he was the expert. Like he was the expert. Opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Expert <laughs> opinion. He's like, man, you don't you don't want to like grab that snake like there. You want to fucking <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're fighting with crocodiles. He was the one showing them how to do it first. <laughs> Aye, man. It's like a fucking. So one of them was like absolutely petrified the snakes. So Matt Manny would just like be always like sneaking around with a snake up behind them or something. You're like, ah, oh, yes, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure Steve. Bam Margero or somebody was maybe terrified the snakes. Yeah, Bam is snakes. Oh, yeah, and maybe it's like that. Yeah, maybe like oh. an expert wouldn't put the snake close to him, that guy. <laughs> but there's none of that. But honestly, I thought Wild Boys was amazing. I probably preferred Wild Boys to uh, Jackass overall. Like the Jackass stuff, man, because because you're seeing a lot, you're seeing repeats. Maybe kind of got stale a bit fast, but. Uh, Wild Boys, which I went on for which maybe went on for like three years or something. That was awesome. But I thought that was really good. I'd fucking watch that now. I would uh, I would get that on box set and watch it. What about um what about Viva La Bam? I never really no. never really watched Viva La Bam. I think by the time Viva La Bam came around I'd kinda I'd already got a sort of dislike for the personality that was emerging of him just beating on his dad and <laughs> I, like, yeah, like, I, like, like bam bam was like the like the favored one from like everybody like liked bam but i just always thought he was a dick like, <laughs> like came across, i think it's because he was the youngest of the, the group he always came across as a real spoiled yeah. yeah, but youngest and like the like the richest as well. Like he had he had he was a professional skateboarder. Yeah, but but he had the he was like I think like Jackass like kind of owes its owes itself to Bam Margera because it was him like the history of it is he, he uh, his brother had a band CKY, hmm. Bam had a crew of people who would go skating and make videos. That was the CKY crew. Kind of confusing because it's a, it's a fucking same name, but they're basically the same thing. So uh, it was like Jeff Tremaine from that magazine who like made jackass with like bam's involvement yeah. and then they got the other guys in like, yeah, i think CPY it was like why videos are pretty much the jackass video yeah, exactly they just it stands for can't kill yourself <laughs> they are just the precursor there's they're a the precursor to jackass really so i mean that like that and that goes on like the, i mean the whole reason that we're like talking about I think so, it anyway. is, is, be, is because of like the recent like jackass 4 and the shot out of of bam um like and so he's obviously now it was a sobriety law that he broke um, mm-hmm. which I think 
I don't know how common that is in the, I suppose on movie sets it's probably like is it is it only is it just this group of people that have got this kind of rule because of the the addiction issues that have come from I it? mean if that all those contracts and paperwork will have been written up for that because I think he, he's he's the only one well, I, th- I think they were they, when they were filming the the first and second film. I think they were all drinking on set and things. But when they came back to do the third, mm. because Steve O was in recovery, they all just agreed that it would be a no booze, no drugs. Ah, oh, see, yeah, because the, the second I remember the second one. There was loads of stuff they had to cut out with Steve O because he was in such a bad way. I think I'm sure I got I, I so I I read that it was like there was it was really bad. Or I don't even know if he went to rehab like during that. This the filming or whatever. Um, so like, like in Bam's situation is the no alcohol, the insistence of like the studio who want everything to run smoothly, or is it the insistence of the actual jackass guys being like, we don't, we're not like drinking on set anymore. Like my impression was that it was like the studio, like yeah. he had broken like a contract uh, that required them not to drink. But there's also weird things in that, like. Uh, Bam was saying that he had to, in his fucking terrible like Instagram videos, it was like he had to um, like film himself taking his medication or something yeah. like that, and then send it. And you're like, well, that sounds a little bit excessive. But on the on the other hand, like, man, you are an alcoholic. Like, you're in recovery. Maybe these hoops are just like part of the deal. It's what happens to childhood stars because Bam is essentially a childhood star. He got fame and fortune when he was like 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. They're just, mm-hmm. They just become kind of spoiled brats with like an entourage of quack doctors and yes men. And when that mixes into sort of the denial that comes naturally with addiction, that's yeah. a terrible sort of uh, cocktail. Yeah, it's like narcissism. Like obviously, top like uh, chemicals and alcohol was a huge part of Jackass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like literally the kind of fuel that gave him the courage to do these like obscene things. Oh, 100 Like, even like we listened to Steve O's stuff and like feeds into Wild Boys as well. Like, yeah, like you with Wild Boys, you're watching it thinking, How can these guys travel all over the world and like have such energy to perform like such incredible like mental stunts? And like, I, like, I think a lot of the addiction came from a lot of them had to take as you say, like, pain pills all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because of all like what they were going through, and they always had injuries. That's how they got hooked on like prescription drugs as well as, um, you know, kind of hard like hard classes. I don't know I mean, how it worked with it with the how MTV's contracts worked with them, but I know it was it was always at kind of arm's length. They were just putting the stuff on screen, but then they did the the night with Jackass or twenty four hours with Jackass. Mm. Evo was kicked out, and loads of people were under the influence and stuff. I don't know if that had a big effect on them thinking, okay, this is a bit mentaler than we thought it was when it was just at arm's distance. One of the stories, like um, what has been commonplace on Wild Boys, is that them like swallowing uh, condoms full of drugs as they travel around the world because it's like they're going to need like. Uh, I mean, that was like the Steve one that we're laughing about. It, it was like having a condom of like a weed in your stomach, like traveling, because that's what you need. It's like you're traveling around the world, like a huge number of countries. You don't want to land and have to like buy drugs in every new country. I mean, I'm sure they did, but you got to have some like uh, your stash with you as you go. So it's like you're. <laughs> I just I kind of you know like the kind of the, the stories you hear from like movie sets like these go back like so long like to the, the golden age of Hollywood like people like taking drugs but um, the Jackass crew like definitely uh, epitomise it quite well yeah. taking drugs on set but there isn't a show without it I don't think especially some like Wild Boys there isn't a show without it I mean yeah, on 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 the kind of downfall of Bam Margera 
funnily enough, yesterday Tony Hawks was on Steve Rose's podcast, chatting mm-hmm. kind of fame and fortune and the trappings of of fame. Steve put it to Tony Hawk that he always seemed very level headed and he was able to keep it together despite being this icon of skateboarding throughout mm-hmm. the nineties. And he said it was because when he started skating in the seventies and eighties, it seemed such an uncool, nerdy thing to do. So he kind of always yeah. felt like an outsider. That contrasting to Bam, you know, growing up in the limelight in the middle of this world and when skateboarding was seen as like the epitome of cool is quite interesting. That contrast. Yeah, that's a really good point. And also, Tony yeah. Hawk said that he was able to kind of keep his uh, his family and his private life completely separate, and that kind of gave him a level head. Whereas Bam, as soon as he like let the cameras into the boundaries break down between what is content and what is like I don't know, a family dinner. You know, he's yeah. constantly harassing his uncle and his dad. Mm-hmm. That's probably when he started to kind of lose the plot, when he was unable to discern what his kind of reality. Yeah, when he becomes like, he's not a skater at that point. He's not a skater making videos at that point. He's just a reality TV star. He's just a celebrity, yeah. He's just a celebrity, yeah. I think as well, like, like Bam was obviously, like, his family were quite wealthy. They came from money as well. I think there's a part of him he was probably a bit spoiled um, as is, but... And, and with Tony Hawk, like as you say, it was a probably a gradual um, like turn to fame. Like, it, oh. like I, I I listened to a bit of that today. Like it was in the two th- like I, the same time, like the like late nineties, early two thousands. At this point, like Tony Hawk was like what in his thirties at this point, you know. So he was, you know, he was a he was yeah. an adult really. Um, but I think he's an athlete. Like, it's like he's a proper athlete that yeah. like, find his craft over like 10, 12, 15 years. He's obviously incredibly disciplined. And it all probably happened really fast for all the jackass guys. Like, yeah. it, like it was like they were dicking about skateboarding, doing these things. Then, boom, MTV. Like it was everywhere, and they were mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like it's it's like such a familiar story with like children or young stars that just and never, why does it never work out? It never. Yeah, it's like when you say child star, it's like synonymous with like down and outs. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like a, kind of a, a child star has become a successful adult star. Or at least like a well-adjusted like human. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no. I was just going to say I've I've just read a a little short story by Charles Bukowski recently that he talks about his fame coming, but his fame came when he was like fifty, and he he, even though he was living a very hedonistic lifestyle, it didn't get any worse or anything. And he (laughs) he said that uh, he said like the the fame and the women they've all come too late for me. I'm I'm too strong for them. (laughs) <laughs> teenage years and your early 20s are you know that's the period of the time that you work out kind of who you are as a person and that's why you kind of get your social reference points really mm-hmm. to be a child star or celebrity at that point in your life having like almost like unlimited access to money and resources yes men and quack doctors that yeah. obviously just fucks you up i think as well like the people like because like it's all new to everybody, like their their family, their friends, like they they start exploiting them as much as the media does, like oh, not yeah. inten- not intentionally, but like yeah. because like if your son or your daughter or your friend starts to become famous, you just jump right onto that, you know, and mm-hmm. and next thing you're being exploited from the people that you supposedly trust or trusted or loved, yeah. and then that must just that must fuck your whole equilibrium up about who to trust and where it, where it's coming from. That's did you true. did any did any watch that Britney Spears thing? Oh, no, no, I didn't watch it. 
like horrendous, like horrend, like it was sad to watch. Like she was becoming a kind of cash cow for her she dad just, or her dad's entourage. Yeah, like I mean, I mean, her dad is this kind of like weird figure. Like he was a bit of an alky and wasn't really in her life. But then you know when her mental health deteriorated and she was getting fucking bent over by the media and you know paparazzi wouldn't leave her alone. Like her dad pretty much put in this conjunction thing to become mm-hmm. like to like looked like he made all our decisions because our mental health is so bad um and has been ever since but you can tell it she's just not she's just not right and that's that's all from early ages of fame and not being managed properly or supported properly yeah but even like the notion of celebrity like human beings shouldn't be celebrities you know and like there's an argument to say that in a kind of western more secular society that uh, celebrities have, you know, replaced deities and gods, and human mm-hmm. beings are not meant to be deities and gods. They can't. Mm-hmm. How do you process that? Right? Where well, organisms that are meant to live in societies of like twelve folk, ideally. Imagine having mm-hmm. like two hundred million followers on uh, Instagram or Twitter. Oh yeah. Uh, that human, kind of the admiration of so many. Yeah, I remember. I don't know if I remember it, but I remember the like this story of uh, Shirley Temple, like big Hollywood actress and a child star. Uh, when she was like six, she went to like the Mall of America to get her uh, photo taken with Santa, and Santa asked her for her autograph. <laughs> and you're like, uh, there's like she like describes this being like, yeah, I was like kid that was like maybe like not even 10 years old at that time i would completely shatter your uh, yeah <laughs> your whole night just flips yeah <laughs> yeah you know there's a thing like on it was on the bbc news just like either today or yesterday about demi lovato she was a uh, she sang at the super bowl in like 2015 uh she was like a child star she was on like barney and friends and then the article today was that since her uh, overdose in 2018, she's had a, a two strokes and a heart attack. She's only 28. And you're like, oh, fuck, man, that's awful. But new Netflix series, yeah, Demi, exactly, Lovato, yeah. Demi yeah. Lovato battling my addiction. My life. And it was yeah. like, uh, even on Twitter, it was like Demi Lovato from uh, blah, 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 to empowerment. And I was like, well, empowerment? Like... <laughs> Dude, she's like a wreck at 28. Like, obviously, like you're not like you you you're not wishing anything against a poor person, but you're like, I think surely people you... found out and have a really horrible um sort of uh, example of that celebrity culture. Steve found out that Ryan Dunn was dead because TMZ phoned him up in the middle of the night and asked him to comment on it. That's how he found oh, out his God. best friend was dead. That is awful. I mean, go off on a tangent and talk about like Jade Goody. Who's like kind of epitomised that kind of tragic, oh yeah, like like reality TV show star who's like ended up living her entire life on camera, and it was like oh, it's yeah. such a sad kind of descent like, of this human the, being. Like, yeah, she would have cancer on her big brother, and. Uh, the British, the British media, like print media, tabloid press, totally slaughtered Jade Goody, mm. and a huge part of it was because, like, as well, she was from like a working class background, and she got into a spat with like an Indian princess, mm. and it's like the BBC, the sort of BBC, like the tabloids just played that up to the full. It was yeah. like here's a refined, educated, wealthy 
Indian princess and here's like a Jade Goody, like fucking Jade Goody calling her Shilpa Papadon. Yeah, like it was just like, I mean, that's like Jade Goody, like was what, a person who never ever should have been in the limelight like that. Oh, exactly, and it just yeah, destroyed exactly. her and killed you, you, her. Yeah, they played monsters. <laughs> and she, and yeah. again, she was 1920 when she was on that first season. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's, and that, that is, those should be your informative years where you kind of work out what is racist, what, is, what isn't racist. And she's kind of the honest people. Yeah, parading on television. Well, to, nowadays we have like Love Island and things are only getting worse, aren't they? So <laughs> people's mental health is like only deteriorating. Yeah, like... there's been a huge number of, or not maybe not a huge number, but in, in ratio to the amount of people that have been on it, there's been a lot of uh, suicides with Love Yeah, oh, yeah a huge amount. I think yeah. in, ter- in terms of just like the British one, inclu- and this is obviously including Caroline Flick, there's mm. three suicides out of four seasons. Is that right? <sighs> like two contestants and one host. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, like even extends to the coast, which is kind of bizarre. Yeah, like and that, like after after one. No, but it extends to the audience. It extends to the yeah. audience. Like you watch yeah. that show and feel like shit. I mean, I, 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 it's I, like a temporary I, buzz. Like I at did. what point do you like four deaths in three seasons or whatever it is? At what point do you stop watching? We de- we <laughs> like at what point do you just say? Mm. We're definitely. We've, I think the. I think the reality era. I think I'm hoping is fading. I think we've. I think we've. I think we're going through it, like, and I, I think maybe Caroline Flack and that whole thing might have changed it. But I'm, I'm hoping that we're coming to the other side of this whole reality shit because it's not good for anybody. It's just not like you're making, you know, people who I think now like stars, like young stars now, have probably got better care. I'm hoping they got better care. Like I'm trying to like Ariana Grande. She she was like really young the last, and I, and it seems like she's got better support. Or like Billie Eilish. Obviously they're still young, but just going by like their, their social media presence and how they speak, like it's, it feels like the they're 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 grounded better. They've got better support. Now these are people who are you know who have this support. So putting normal people in the limelight, people are, as you say, people shouldn't be celebrities. They're prepared for this, and I think we're coming to the end of this, you know, reality TV. Um, like obsession that the last 15, 20 years I've had I'm hoping Yeah, I mean there's such an emptiness to reality TV shows mm-hmm. there's, like, there's, there's like the removal of, well that often there's like the removal of any artistic merit in these shows, I mean they're the most laziest shows to make mm-hmm. they require no mm-hmm. like, very little planning you just stick a yeah. camera on someone and then you, you see what yeah. happens a lot of the like the contestants from uh, like, talking about Love Island. A lot of the contestants afterwards said, "It's like you're on the show, you're made to feel important, and then when you're kicked off, the show themselves will have nothing to do with you. Yeah. It's like you're just a brief commodity for them to get yeah, like yeah. viewers to get views, and then uh, once you're once the show's done with you, like they just kick you, they, they just discard you, and." There was contestants saying like, well, after the show, I was dealing, I was dealing with like struggling with my life, like <laughs> trying to adjust to reality after like my fifteen minutes of fame, and there was no support available from the show. I, I assume that's changed after like some of like the the uh, uh, publicized like suicides, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean that's an awful situation. I mean, I don't have really a lot of sympathy for people who go on Love Island, but the, the thought of like being used, just used by a show like that. And then tossed aside. You hope that conversations like that as well make people stop and think about whether watching celebrity- it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that as well. Whether whether celebrity is something they want to achieve. Like maybe they've got a real illusion of what celebrity is. Oh, mate, it's, mate, it's that. I think like 
I read a post the other day about somebody talking about Instagram and they were like, who is Instagram for? Instagram's for celebrities, wannabe celebrities or small businessmen. <laughs> and the more I thought about that, I was like, oh shit. It's like, it's a platform like, for people who want to be celebrities. People aspire to be influencers. I don't yes, know. What yeah. the hell does that mean? Yeah, it's a good point. It's like, yeah, it's I want like to be an influencer. What do you do? Like, like, you're out of living a kind of ostentatious lifestyle. <laughs> it's like, but take it to it's like a conclusion. Take it to it's like his logical conclusion. Like, I want to be an influencer. I want to have a drug and alcohol problem by the age of 28. <laughs> and I want to be dead at 35. So right? Take all the boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Career and you qualify <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly I mean, but that, that brilliant thing i can't remember if we talked about it before it might be on the fabled lost podcast but when we were talking about on reddit where it showed you that uh the the interior of the private jet that all these influencers were using that actually it was just in a studio i took my my grandma uh, this is when i bought nikki's engagement ring or rangers just scored um, I, I took my grandma to, to buy um, Nikki's engagement ring. Well, nice day out for her. And I had the, mm-hmm. I had the ST at the time. And I, we, so we parked at Roxas on George Street. So because we had the disabled badge, we just parked right on George Street, right outside it. And um, I was in my, my cousin Michelle was there as well. So we got my grandma out and got in the wheelchair. Michelle's taking her in. And I was just kind of making sure that I parked the car okay and locked it. And at the same time, there was a group of like tourist, uh, young like tourist Asian guys. And they see my car and uh, they started taking photos of my car. And they were like all talking to each other like, oh, oh and they're taking photos of the ST. And I swear to God, I felt, Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I got an instant erection. <laughs> I started like leaning against. <laughs> um, yeah, it was so bizarre. Like, I mean, why were they doing it though? Like, 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 they, they, like, they, like yeah, like I don't like that. Like, the, I think the ST's been a like a, I don't know if it was like a Fast and Furious form or whatever. Maybe they thought it was an RS. I don't know. Yeah, I felt I felt like a king. <laughs> yeah, last time I was down at um, Madame Tussauds in London with my mum we, when we were walking around there's one bit where you got it was, I think it was facing Russell Brand and then we got there and there's uh, an Asian woman on the other side taking a photo so you kind of politely wait there not to cross it and then we waited there for ages and it turned out it was a waxwork yeah. of an Asian person yeah. taking a photograph yeah. oh, yeah. I feel oh, for man. that I feel for that I feel for that twice both times I went there I feel oh, oh sorry <laughs> it's just a <laughs> waxwork <laughs> Well, just mentioned the favourite stunts in there. Favourite stunts? Fucking hell, that's... Yeah, I'm I struggling. Haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't ah, I was up 20 minutes of pondering. <laughs> <laughs> By far, my favourite is, uh, is when Ryan Dunn goes into the, the doctors and he's complaining about a pain in his stomach and they take oh. an x-ray and he shoved the toy car up his ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the doctor in that bit is so polite. And then they're secretly filming it, and the doctor says, "You go home. You don't tell anyone." He already <laughs> that's yeah. one too many people. <laughs> oh my. See, I liked I liked all the, the actually the skateboarding ones where it was like they had to like do like they were like kind of there were tricks as much as they were um, like stunts. Like there was yeah, a yeah. The, there was like a helter skelter like um, like ramp pretty much or like the mm-hmm. double loop. Yeah. And they would like obviously they would always have like Tony Hawk or someone there who would do it, but they, or they would all have a go themselves, and it, it would be like a, a like it would be chaos until like and then Tony Hawk would eventually do it. Um, yeah, I wasn't a fan of like the 
like, Dave see, England's just taking a shit on everything. Oh him, man. man, you see that that egg omelette? I watched that yesterday, and uh, it's so disgusting. So I remember, like, I think it's in the Jackass movie, but it's like the shot is of uh, a a bathroom. Like a toilet in a bathroom, then a massive big shit because then it zooms out and it's like a miniature model. Yeah, a miniature yeah. model of a bathroom just fucking yeah. Yeah. They would zoom in and there was like this little like it looked like a little like puppet mouse thing, and then this rattlesnake, this rattlesnake <laughs> yeah. would come in oh, and bite it, it, and it was dressed funny as Yeah. Do you remember the ones where they go into the sports store? And it's a, a referee, a oh. referee, and it's Butterbean and Johnny Butterbean. Knoxville. And Butterbean knocks Johnny Knoxville out. And then when they're on the ground reviving him, they go, Are you all right, Johnny? He goes, uh, is, is Butterbean okay? when you're like, just suffered a severe concussion. Unless he was absolutely out of it. He wasn't even It wasn't joking. He didn't know what happened. <laughs> um... The, um, the ultimate slapstick is the opening to Jackass 3 when they've got a massive hand. Oh, that's brilliant. Covered oh, in yeah. Aye, they get, they get every oh, single shit. member of Jackass. There's a great, there's a great, I can't remember who they do it to, but one of them goes, Oh, man, can you hold this tray of soup, please? That's it's <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> of course, it's dangerous. Of course, it's like, I cannot believe I fell for the soup. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, did you mention the bungee cord one at the start? Oh, yeah, yeah, where that's fantastic. Where Preston and, and him are connected by the bungee cord, and yeah. Preston jumps first. No, I, or a wee man jumps first, so he brings Preston down, and they they swap over positions, and then you just see Preston's weight catch the bungee cord, and it oh. gets skimmed yeah. against the water. <laughs> I like to think there's like some classroom that they use that as a kind of physics experiment, <laughs> and they're like terminal velocity and <laughs> God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how how fast the wee man achieved terminal velocity. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Tweet us at The Patterpod or on our website, thepatterpod.com. Thank you. Bye-bye.